What's going on, everybody? And welcome, welcome, welcome back to another edition, another installment, another episode. <laughs> yes, sir. Drop a bomb in here. We're back. Oh, you know you couldn't keep us down. Listen, welcome to another edition, another episode, another installment, another episode, excuse me, of the Black Men Win Podcast with your boy, Tyler Pie Guy. We are here again march 1st well i'm sorry we're recording march 1st this will come out march 2nd but um i have a dynamic interview today and why you may see this face on here you're like this is the black men win podcast what why is a woman on here well if you follow the podcast um on instagram um in conjunction and in celebration with Women's History Month, shout out to all the queens out there. Um, I wanted to bring a specific type of series here to celebrate and give flowers to our black women. Um, so this is the Black Women Win series all month of March. OK, and we will be interviewing five dynamic and just amazing black women um, from all walks of life who are to me um, not just intelligent, inspiring, motivational, but really can, with the questions that I have, can really dig deep into the conversation with being transparent and honest. So per first question, because I was literally about to introduce her, but her first question um, is literally letting the the interviewee ga- uh, gas themselves and inter- uh I'm sorry um, introduce themselves to the podcast family. So I'm going to let this beautiful soul introduce herself. Wow! Okay. <laughs> so all pressure. I remember the song used to say the gas pedal. Got your gas pedal. <laughs> let me tell you how my foot step a little bit because that that that's not my move most times. Come on but, now. Uh, hey everybody! Hey y'all! Hey, all my people, welcome to the show. My name is Coach Tiaja A. Um, for those of y'all that know me personally, I'm Tiaja. Y'all might know me as T or T Baby, either way. T Baby. <laughs> um, I am a multi talented entrepreneur. Yes. Um, last year or the year before, when we started COVID, we called it an edge edupreneur. Yes. and you do a little entrepreneurship right so um i'm a healthy blend of all of those things i work with people in finding their life purpose Mm -hmm. and i also help people kind of navigate those weird waters through higher education because it is a little dicey absolutely murky um but then on another professional tip i started working in financial services as a life insurance broker and now i'm pivoting in that realm to start talking about some social justice issues within life insurance um, so I've actually enjoyed a full calendar year. I'm about to wrap up into year two in working as a life insurance broker. Wow. Can we just give a hand clap for that? Can we just give a hand clap for that? It, it, now I've known Tiaja. Oh God, Lord have mercy. Um, it goes probably all the way back to my freshman, sophomore year in college. Um, you know, those, those sisterly mothers that just kind of, take you under their wing and take you in their womb and just like, Oh, I'm gonna nurture you. You understand what I'm saying? Because you're a soul that I don't want to see, you know, go over to the wayside 
Tasia was one of those for me. It's not and and, and what, from the school that we're coming from, it's not a it's not a lot of those around. You understand what I'm saying? And so Tasia uh, yeah. for me was a light. Um, I don't ever thought I've said this to her face to face or even you know Zoom to Zoom, right? Um, but she's she was literally probably one of my biggest and first supporters when I started in the entrepreneurship game supporting coming on the shows commenting liking subscribing and I mean I'm 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 to where I am now to where I was she kept doing that right even in her journey and and again I told her off cap I said I I keep up with you but I can't keep up with you. And see, the pe- people who know me are like, yo, I can't keep up with you. I'm like, because I follow people that I can't keep up with. You understand <laughs> what I'm saying? Like, people tell me, oh, man, you doing a lot. You dropping episodes here, episodes there. I'm like, because the people around me, the people that I look up to are in every field doing any and everything. And specifically when it came to Tiaja, she, to me, use the educational field and the path to literally like open doors to new pathways. You understand what I'm saying? And so when I started, when, when I talked about, when I even had the, the, the vision or the thought to, to make the series, I was like, one of the first people I wanted to hit up was Tiaja. I was like, point blank period. I want to hit Tiaja up because I remember when she was really in her entrepreneurship bag. Like, I mean, supporting black women, helping black women. Literally, when you when she says life insurance, you feel what I'm saying? Like, she's helping people financially out here. She's helping us out here financially. And I'm like, what well, damn, what does she do? You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, she's everywhere. You feel what I'm saying? Like, where are you? Like, you back in Michigan now, right? Listen, my people. Okay, so my friends now call me Carmen San Diego, and they text me like, <laughs> "You're the girl in Carmen." Like, that's an ongoing joke now because just two days ago I was in Atlanta. Right. Just two weeks ago I was in Tampa, and the week wow. before that I was in Charleston. So, um, there was a time when I prayed for the life that I have right now. Right. When people tell me I need to slow down or I need some stability, I look at them sideways because I'm like, you weren't in my prayer closet with me. Mm. Like, God mm. gave me yes. like literally the desires of my heart. So um, I stay going because why? I can. <laughs> Come on. Come. Because <laughs> you can. Because you can. <laughs> and I am like I had posted on Instagram the other day like I thank God literally every day especially Mondays now like I actually don't dread my Mondays anymore absolutely because I know that I'm doing all that I can to build the life that I want right I'm proud of that I didn't even realize that you were watching so closely but oh absolutely something that people connected to me could be proud of and and believe in as well you know what I mean because that's what real legacy is absolutely um so I mean I'm I'm gone. I'll I'll be here. I'm in Michigan today. And I told myself I would be here for the entire month of March so I could knuckle in and really um dig in because I have some things that are about to pop off. So I guess Come you're on about now. exclusive. Come on. Um, 
She so yeah, there's no place like home, right? Absolutely. You know what? I haven't been to. When was the last time I've been to Michigan? Particularly Detroit. Uh it was for Cordell's graduation, and then I probably. Oh no, I came back in June for my aunt's funeral. So I haven't yeah. been back since June, and I'm homesick. I'm not even gonna lie to you. I am very much homesick. I love New York. New York is great. Not going to lie. New York is amazing. Okay. What part of New York are you in? You know what? This is my third borough that I've lived in in the last year and a half. So I'm in the Bronx right now. And when I mean deep in the Bronx, I am in the hood. No disrespect to the hood of the Bronx. I love the Bronx. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) But I'm in the hood. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? But... It's 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 really been a journey um, moving out here. If, if you guys understand or know the story at all, um, 2020 was, of course, pandemic debacle. Uh, COVID hit like wildfire, of course. And that was my graduation, getting my master's year. And I'm living on my friend's couch. And I don't know what the hell is going to happen, right? I was supposed to go to Colorado and figure things out. And that didn't fall through. And I remember just sitting there, just flabbergasted, mad, just, okay, Lord, I'm, I I literally tried to do everything you told me to do. And it still didn't work out. Now, what, what is next? And I remember, um, Amber Hudson, my best friend, um, she was working in New York at the time and per pandemic, she was actually, um, remote. So she was living in Chicago with her parents and she, I hit her up and just told her what happened. And all she said to me, and this will for this changed my life. I'm not even gonna lie to you. She said, "Yo," because she never, she's never like the type to sit here and and pity me, right? When I'm sitting here, you know, feeling bad for myself. She said, "Okay, <laughs> I got a plan. I'm gonna come to Grand Rapids, and we're gonna drive to New York." Third. Hours. Well, I made it a 10 hour drive because I was driving like Speedy Gonzalez. But I, I made it a 10 hour drive. Oh, yes. Yes, ma'am. I made it a 10 hour drive. I was not trying to be on that road for th- no, we out. Like, we out of here. And that was it. That was the beginning of this. And so to see everything kind of come to fruition, it's just like, wow. I know I wanted to be in New York. I wanted to be in New York this year, right? And I was like, oh, this is crazy that I'm here maybe a year or two earlier. So it's been a journey. I'm happy to be here and I'm happy that you are on the show. Like literally we are here to give you your flowers. You are an amazing mentor, educator. Um, dare I say philanthropist in a, in, in a way, dare I say, dare I say, do okay? because I'm just, I'm just seeing the way that you're moving and the way that you're connecting with people. Right. You always had that ability to really connect with people on a deeper level. And I always love that about you. So we are here to give you your flowers and say thank you for being who you are. You feel what I'm saying, Queen? Thank you for being who you are. You feel me? So going into this. Right. Um, I don't know if you've ever listened to the Black Men Win podcast, but the podcast is literally for us as black men to have a open, transparent and honest dialogue about black men, right? And what we go through um, in our minds and our bodies and things of what we, and what we talk about here is very just like spiritual, mental, emotional, everything. So per the second question, I want to reverse it, right? 
When it comes to 2022, right, I've always said, like, on the podcast, us as black men and, and, and just in general as black people, we're doing a better job of tapping into more of our spiritual and our emotional and our mental rather than just the physical and the financial, right? Now, do I, is it a slow process? Absolutely. But as a black woman and as, and as someone who, who particularly works in the field with black women, what do you see when it comes to those five areas? I actually call it the five Ferris wheel feelings of black men, right? Um, but in this case, I will call it the five Ferris wheels of black women, right? What do you see in those five areas of being um, spiritual, mental, um, physical, financial, and emotional? Do they coexist? Do we put too much? Do black women put too much into something um, other than that? Or are, are you guys tapping into each one or you specifically? That is such a loaded question. <laughs> I do because it's it's so many different layers to unpack and really, right. really think about, right? Right. Um, two semesters ago, I took a class on Black women again. Mm-hmm. I haven't taken a class like that since undergrad. And believe my wow. frustration that I started undergrad in 2009. And it's wow. not until... 2020 mm-hmm. that I took another class that was even offered. Like, let's talk about that. Mm. Some institutions don't even offer the opportunity to look at black women as a group that's worthy of scholarship. Absolutely. Absolutely. So when you start talking about like the mental, the physical, and the spiritual, like every other field, every other group of people is worthy of scholarship, but black women is one of the most underserved groups, even in the world of academia. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Um, so understanding those pressures, right? So let's talk about society. Mm-hmm. We are very familiar with um, black women being strong. Yes. And um, I strong heard, black woman trope. Yes, ma'am. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and we celebrate it. I mean, baby. And we love it. And I'm and, not saying that's not something worthy of celebration. Right. Especially when you think about Big Mama or, you know, your Annie or somebody that right, has right. endured a whole lot. Um, that's almost a badge of pride. Right. But quiet is kept. There's more black women stepping forward, talking about the weight of the strong black woman. Right. Right. Because it's almost this false narrative of I can do everything, but I don't have the permission to tell you that I actually can't. Mm. So when I took the class, it was almost black girl therapy for me Mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. know that there's sisters in the world of academia that have stepped away from academia to put pen to paper, put poetry, put prose together to talk about the ways that black women experience healing, the way that black women lean into one another. Okay. So we, we talk about black girls all the time, having groups and (laughs) clicks and stuff like that. You know, sometimes they get messy. But in real life, they give therapy. Like, it really provides a space for healing and a a, a real opportunity for some of us, if we're open to it, to challenge one another's thought processes and um, the way we view the world. Mm -hmm. So I think from what I've seen, and honestly, that's part of why I started my podcast, Mm -hmm. She Speaks, right? Right. Short pub. Um, Right. Go check that out, please. 
<laughs> it started off as a research paper, y'all, um, that I needed to do in my master's program. But the acronym itself says she shares personal experiences to advance the knowledge of self, spirituality and success. Ooh, so as I, I was guys. doing my research, thank you. Um, <laughs> I, I, and it started healing me. And mm. I never thought that learning about how different women have overcome, even when we start talking about sex yeah. and sexuality. The way that we look at the binary, and I'm not going to get into a super deep because mm-hmm. I don't want everybody to know what I know. <laughs> but what I do know, the way that we view sexuality mm-hmm. on Black women, we expect Black women to be overly sexual or super, super chaste. Right. Like, there's no room to, well, now we're creating room. And, right. and I think right. that's the difficult part. Within Black women, we create room for ourselves but these outside opinions usually are coming from um, some space of either privilege mm-hmm. or expectation that's being projected on black women. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you like it like that. You must be a fill in the blank. Like uh, right, 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 right. being that enjoys, um, we'll just say chocolate cake, for example. Right. Rather than me being a human that enjoys chocolate cake, I have to be now called a name because now I'm unworthy to have desires or to like something. Mm-hmm. So those weird spaces, and this is something that I've noticed too, that black men and other biopic folks deal with as well as that stereotype threat, mm-hmm. those expectations of behavior. So like I said, the research and talking to other black women has become more therapeutic because when it's just us, we can talk. Right. We don't judge. If we do judge, we laugh about it. Right. Um, and sometimes we hurt one another, but the healing space that all of us are in um, is unlike any other. I tell my former students all the time, they don't realize how this generation that we're living in right now, the one behind us, is the most educated and the most blessed because they have words. Right. They have experiences to pull from that didn't exist 10, mm-hmm. 20 years ago. Right. Like gaslighting right, right, right. wasn't even a term. Yeah, that's facts. You know what I'm saying? Nice. So like they have a different type of research or just talking about sexuality in an open way. Like right, right. that wasn't a thing 20 years ago, 15 years ago, even 10 years ago. So the opportunity to explore black girlhood and black womanhood is um, almost like a sweet peach. I like that. And I want to ask you a follow-up question to that. Just a, just a sidebar question. How, because for me, I've I've been listening to a lot of black women and the one common denominator between all of them, um, whether it be educational or entertainment wise, has been that the black woman, the strong black woman trope um, is just that. Right. It is it is something that, as you made a point to, um, it is something that you guys hold hard. You know, you hold it to your chest. We love that you guys you know, you, you guys love that in a sense that we that we respect and honor you in that way. But the flip side, the coin to that is that 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 doesn't allow you the vulnerability to express that you are emotional. Right. You're having mental issues. Right. So in your world, how has that affected you um, mentally and emotionally? So 
my initial response that I heard as you were asking your question, you know how some people talk before you let them get the question. Right. <laughs> One of me was doing it. So this is how I've been learning how to gauge and like grow in this. Mm-hmm. Give me my humanity. Right. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Give me back my right to feel. Yes, ma'am. And don't make me feel as if me having feelings disqualifies me from my womanhood. Mm. Why can't your nasty comment hurt my feelings? Why do I have to be strong because you're talking crazy to me? Mm. Why can't I tell you that when you give me flowers, that makes me really happy? Like, why don't I? Why did you take away my permission? Or why do you think? You have the audacity to take my permission exactly. for me to feel and to exist. Right. So I've enjoyed um, listening to different women uh, talk about femininity mm-hmm. and that that um, delicate balance between understanding your power mm-hmm. and your strength, but resting in a space of uh, femininity that isn't necessarily threatening to masculinity. Because that's not limited to gender. Mm-hmm. That's more so. Um, about your being and your existence. Absolutely. Right. So learning how, like I've been learning how to lean into that, right? Like I understand I'm smart, but I don't have to necessarily flex my smartness. Mm. Right. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I'm saying? I know that I'm worthy. Right. But in my conversation, when you try to put me down, I don't have to tell you I'm the baddest and I'm worthy of much better and I can do better than you. I have enough class to walk away. And that didn't disrupt my confidence. That didn't disrupt my energy. Mm -hmm. Um, But that still gives me my power and my beauty and my femininity in a sense. Right. So a lot of that is an intellectual balance. Right. 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 what, What is my opinion of me? How do I want my opinion of me to be expressed? And did that match what God said about me this morning before I left the house? Right. So um, that practice is something that I'm doing every day. But I am. Yep. Come on. Did y'all hear what she said? I just. Okay. I just wanted to just slip this in real quick. This whole time she's been talking, she's put God into the mix. Did y'all hear me? When, did, did, did y'all hear me? Did, 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 did you hear me? Like, I, I need y'all to understand, like. God is God is real. One. Okay. I just wanted to let y'all know let y'all know that. Two. Two, um, the fact that you have not sat here and not put God not not put God into the mix. Like literally every sentence that you have literally said or I've heard, God has been in there. You understand what I'm saying? And a lot of the times, not just for black women, but for black men as well, um, we don't seek ye first, right? Um, and it's all it, it's been of importance to me to to really try to understand what is it that we're not seeing or not experiencing when it comes to him inside of our lives. You understand what I'm saying? And so when you continue to talk, it's like, yo, I hear God. She, yo, did y'all not just hear she's, did you walk out the, did God sit here and say, that's how I want you to walk out the house today? Not how you wanted to walk out the house today, but how 
God looks at you. And trust me, I'm on a fast this month, right? So everything for me is, it, it, it's, it, listen, it's, <laughs> let me say something. That thought process will get you all the way together because personally, I realized how much of my personal journey was walking in direct contradiction of what he said about me. Mm. Okay. Everybody has that one ex that you probably know you don't need to go back to or text. Okay. Get that's that person in your that's mind. That's the one. Isn't that really God's the best that he had for you? Right. Like, is this really the abundance and the promise he had set up? Right. Or was this what you thought you deserved? And every time I think about that, I'd be like, dang, T, that's really what you think of yourself? Like, forget what people talking about. Forget what people have said. You, girl. You. Mm-hmm. That's how you're going to talk to you? Yeah. That's how you're going to treat. God made you. Mm-hmm. And he gave you authority. And you're supposed to have stewardship over your body, over your finances, over your well-being. And this is how you're going to treat his creation? You got some nerve. And it's a blessing that you got up this morning because he could, he should have snatched your tail up. Mm. Right? So before, I'm glad y'all tuning in. I hope y'all hear me deep. Before you ever doubt yourself again, because I doubt myself quite a bit, but the uh, the other T, get to tapping me on the shoulder. Is that really what God thought about you today? Mm. Did he say you were unworthy? Mm -hmm. Tell that other one that's trying to talk to you to shut up. And then sometimes I add additional adjectives and verbs. And you know, like you got it. Exactly. You know, you got to add the other ones, you know, <laughs> you know a, little, a little words that, you know, be like, you be like, close your ears, Lord. You don't want to hear this one. You understand? What I'm saying? But I think, I think, I think you said something very important right there. It's, it's more, it's more of, Hey, because our thoughts can, our thoughts can be killers. You understand what I'm saying? Like we know this, our thoughts can be killers. But I know for me, and, and, and to your point, me personally, experiencing God's voice in the back of your head when your thoughts are just trying to, especially when you are in a place, a new journey, a new transition, everything, and your thoughts are trying to just kind of revert back to what you were doing instead of moving you forward and kind of disinhabiting all the things that you used to do to make you move forward. It's like, nah, bruh, you ain't, I got, I got big G O D on my side. You feel me? Or whoever you pray to. Yes. I, I, I got that on my side. I don't, you know, and, and again, just to your point, you might have to say a few, <laughs> fuck you, nigga. Like you better leave me alone. You feel me? You know, I ain't the one to play with. Like you, I'm God's child. Like I'm a king's kid. You feel me? You better leave me alone. You feel me? So, going into that, the third question, we talk about generational curses a lot, and I particularly, I say generational curses because I don't particularly like to say the word, and we change it around to kind of generational patterns. What generational patterns, whether negative or positive, have you seen? Um maybe reoccurring in this new generation. Um, and and if you can get into a little bit more of the negative ones that are coming into positive fruition, right? Because I think I had um I had I had my guy Eugene on, shout out to him. And he was just talking about like 
We talk about generational curses, but do we talk about generational blessings? And I said, oh, wait, wait, wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. You said something right there. You said something right there. And so I want you to talk to that. Like, what generational patterns do you see and what are the blessings that come from those? Oh, oh. Because this one catches me up sometimes. Right, Um, right. So... I'm going to reiterate a point that I brought up earlier Mm -hmm. talking to my students. So y'all, I hope I look good because I'm not, (laughs) my skin is still holding itself up pretty well. All right. When I realized that my students were just 18, (laughs) some of them was born after 2000. I was like, yo, you, when you got to realize that T, when you <laughs> like Mix it up, okay, I'm 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 old enough. I'm, you know they be called. You know they say we we were born in the 1900s now. Yes. Oh my God! I remember one day. Jesus. Somebody said Jesus. the 90s was old school, and I said, "How you figure? How you figure? How do you that wasn't figure for me? That wasn't it." <laughs> um, Mm, it, it's doing it's doing a lot for me. Um, but uh, to answer your question, oh my goodness, um, I did not grow up knowing my maternal grandmother. Wow, and that's mainly because she passed away in the eighties, mm-hmm. and I didn't come around until the nineties. Right, right. So my sister and half of my first cousins grew up with our grandma. Mm-hmm. And they were telling me that she finished seventh grade. She was an only child and her parents passed away before she was a mature adult. So she chose to have 13 children. So that way her kids and herself wouldn't be alone. Um, So sometimes I sit and I think of what my grandmother might have prayed for in her, her daughter's. And what she might have prayed for in her granddaughters. And I would hope that the right or the wrong that was that was created in America just by virtue of how life was. Mm-hmm. Um, grandma was born in 22. Wow. Grew up in South Carolina, moved to Arkansas, mm-hmm. then up to Michigan with my grandfather, right? Mm-hmm. Had all these beautiful babies. Um, I would hope that me living the life that I am getting this education that I am working on now um, was my grandmother's prayers manifest. Yes. So um, when I realized too, that my mother was born in 1954 and that was the year that Brown versus Board of Education happened. It clicked in my mind that my mom was one of the first out of the 13 to go to school where it was normal for integration. Right. Meanwhile, for her own siblings, Mm -hmm. they grew up knowing segregation. So opportunity to even get into certain programs or to get an associate's degree, my mom was telling me they didn't let her finish. um, What is it called when you go to become an ambulance attendant? Uh, What is that? Is that it? Y'all drop it in the chat if you know what it is. Yeah, please. Just drop it in the the (laughs) comments. Lord have mercy. (laughs) But they said my mom finish. Wow. And that was in the 80s, too. My mama would have been the first black woman in Muskegon County to do that, but they didn't let her finish. Right. And then other things played into that as well. Absolutely. But when I think about generational curses turning into blessings, Mm -hmm. 
our grandmother prayed over her children and by virtue prayed for me. So really that hard work and that um, tenacity Mm -hmm. was the generational blessing that came down from my grandmother onto me. Mm. So now when I think of the opportunity to one day call myself Dr. Tiaja, because like, it's coming, because it's coming, because it's coming. Oh, I see I it. It's coming. <laughs> um, I wear that knowing that even in my family line, mm-hmm. I'm just the two generations removed from the one that couldn't even finish middle school. Wow. T. You know what I'm saying? Um, but did I know that at 19? Did I know that at 21? No. no. I just found that out in my 30s. Right. So part of those generational curses that I think the young people of today are living under is the absence of historical legacy that they are being birthed into. Come on. (laughs) Because that's a word. That's a word. Can we talk about that real quick? We love to shame this generation for being entitled, right? Yes. I say they might be, but they aren't without cause. Right. They are entitled because somebody sweated really, really hard, opened up opportunities yes. for them to not have to worry about anything. Yes, yes. So on some sides, they were born into generational blessing, not mm. knowing the curse that was broken before they got here. You better get me together. You know what I'm saying? So like j- even just in their existence, like I was sharing with my cousin one day. He was mad because his kids had an attitude um, because they weren't going to Florida for spring break. Mm -hmm. And they went every year. Mm -hmm. And this year, um, they were planning on buying a bigger house to surprise the kids, you know. So he was like, my kids all entitled, blah, 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 blah. I said, pause, cuz. Do you realize that you created a world for your kids that they don't know anything but that? Mm. Like, you don't even realize the beautiful life that you bless your kids with and you resent them. For loving the life that you worked hard to give them, and it's be- you didn't teach them. Yes, and it's to that like it's because we want to see them struggle the way we struggled, right? Like, let's keep it a being. <laughs> to your point, this generation is very entitled, but to your point, we've created that life for them in a sense. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Because we don't want them to. And for me, I know when I when I when I bear fruit and have children, I don't want them to I and and let's not and I don't want to say I struggled like crazy, but there was struggle amongst my journey, right? I don't yeah. want them to sit there and, and struggle the way I struggled. Now you're going yeah. to go through and you're going to face adversity. I'm a hold I'm I'm a hold you down, right? But the but the new struggles that are probably going to come up in their lives, it's like I don't I don't think T that it's going to be as massive or as crazy or maybe or maybe because we we're older, right? We're seeing it as it's not going to be as painful as it was for us, right? Yeah. And what I'm hearing from you is basically we we struggled for them to kind of be entitled in a sense. Right. Am, am, am I wrong here? No, no. So like we created the beast, but not knowing how to heal the beast. Mm. 
So in my mind, the one of the ways to ratify the problem is to teach them the legacy, right? Right. And to help them be humble in their escalation of getting through things. Right. But I do think our generation kind of fails to be mindful of the America that they were born into. Like we can't dismiss that this group had access to information and to different opportunities that just didn't exist right. just in our age group. And yep. we're only talking like maybe a five, seven year gap. Yep. Furthermore, the stress that comes along with opportunity. We don't talk about opportunities and positive energy being a weight. We always talk right. about the negative stuff. Right. So we almost don't have the tools as the older generation to help them navigate this new level of trauma or concern mm. of affirmation through social media. Because affirmation through social media wasn't necessarily hitting like it is now. No. We have my space. No. No. No, because I tell people, I tell, I tell, I tell a lot of my cousins, my young cousins and everything, I said, before y'all was doing the TikToks and the, you know, the Instagram, you know, reels and everything and really popping out here, we were blogging yes. with a crazy looking camera that was low key to shit back in the two thousands and shit. Yep. Yep. And when MySpace and uh, 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 Black Planet and all of them started yes. to come, those were our social medias. We were popping. Uh huh. But we didn't have those same struggles, though. No. In a sense, so, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say the bullying for us back then, or like the relevancy for us back then, was still in person. Exactly. Exactly. Like it wasn't. Like I was talking to a woman about her son, mm -hmm. who kind of isn't really trying to pursue anything with college because he's not seeing the affirmation with him posting on social media because he's um, going into rapping. Like he's going to be a musician, right? Gotcha. Gotcha. But people aren't really engaging in his content, whereas his friends at school that do it, get views, replays, da 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 mm -hmm. So he'd be deleting his content because he's just feeling that insecure and then he gets depressed mm -hmm. and her as the mom doesn't really know how to coach him through that except like you got to keep going. So it's almost like that toxic positivity, right? Right, because what, like, what else can we say? You got to keep going. That's it. I, I don't know. Like, yeah. what do you think? Sidebar question again. To that point. How does a mother help a child in that situation? Or how does a parent help a, help a child in that situation where Again, to our point when it comes to because our generation really created social media were the test dummies for mm -hmm. social media, right? The ebbs and flows and everything. And now we're here. 2022, we got Twitters, we got the Pinterests, we have the TikToks, we have the Facebooks, Meta, excuse me, Metaverse. Um <laughs> we have yeah. Meta, right? We have we have all of these social media platforms, apps and games and all of this technology. And to your point, if an 18-year-old or 17-year-old is in high school and trying to pursue something and is not getting the views, doesn't have the thousands of followers and maybe the blue check mark, it is something that I've had to come to realize like people really get depressed over. And really get sad over. So 
how does a parent navigate that or in your in, in your way of thinking how do you think a parent navigates that especially when we're talking about parents who are coming from the generation maybe a little older than us and may and then our generation who are parents like how do you navigate that I mean, that's a, a, a real, another good question. Come on with these pivot questions. I'm, I'm just saying, like, it's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> because you're bringing up some, some great explanations and it's just like, okay, she's hitting on things that we talk about for real because I talk about this all the time off camera with my girlfriend. I'm like, she's a, she's a teacher and she yeah. teaches all girls, kindergartners. Okay. You understand yeah. what I'm saying? And she's like, babe. Sometimes these girls ain't getting it. You know, they worried about, and I've, and I've seen her teach remotely, right? See, I'm not going to lie to you. These kids are worried about the screen, the likes, the Mm -hmm. views. Mm -hmm. I need a followers 10 years old. I got like 10,000 like T T. It's, it's kids out here who got more followers than me and you combined. A whole new world. A you new world. <laughs> they don't even know that song. How about that? Like, How about that? <laughs> and it baffles me that they, and, and, and no disrespect, but it baffles me that some to most of these kids can't even know the ABCs. Mm-hmm. You understand? Like it may, it, it hurts me something like somewhere in here. Mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. when we were growing up again, to your point, we were still in person classes, mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. We didn't have the luxury. We didn't have the, the pandemics going on. Like we had things going on, but it, everything was still in person. Phones were like sidekicks and razors and, 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 and oh, uh, your top five on team mobile and all that. Like these kids will never know that. They will never know that. So how do or what can or, or it's just like a question is how do parents navigate that? They're going to try to do the things that they were taught mm-hmm. by their parents. And it's like you can't really do that in this in, in, in this parenting generation. Now, am I wrong? You know, OK, so let's qualify all of this since you and I aren't parents yet. Right. Like we're always going to be from the outside looking in. Absolutely. So for those of you that Absolutely. are tuning in, no that are parents, we are not sending for you. No. But what I can say that I admire my line sister, Mariah, mm-hmm. mentioned that she raises her daughter who is oh, Jalen's older now. Mm-hmm. I won't say her age, but she's under 10. Okay. We'll just say that as a frame of reference. She has always talked to Jalen as if she were not necessarily an adult, but a human. So she didn't really do the baby talk thing. Um, She always knew that if she talked to Jalen about something that was very big, like let's say racism, like that's a really big conversation. Absolutely. She trusted that at some point she would start understanding those different elements. Right, 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 right. Then she went on to describe how her child was a human, having a human experience. And if she, as the parent, could have bad days where she wanted to cry and didn't want to talk to anyone. Right. Why couldn't her daughter get in the car after a bad day at school and not want to talk to her? Right. So I don't know that we always look at kids or children as as humans. 
with the right to have feelings yes. or to not know how to process yes. their feelings. Mariah made it a point to say, my five-year-old has feelings and doesn't know what to do with it. Let me help teach her. So Mariah spends a lot of time embodying what it means to be angry or how to express that anger. So I think as parents learning how to work shoulder to shoulder with schools or dealing with social media, I think that level of vulnerability that builds trust is really hard, especially for Black men and Black women, because we traditionally, historically, it was not safe for us to be vulnerable. It was survival. Mm-hmm. And like I'm circle back to that. We are coming out of this survival mode. Like we have elements of that. Talk about right? Yes. Where we're still concerned about police brutality. Yes. Where we're still cautious about am I gonna make it home after work? Right. Am I gonna deal with being profiled today? Right. But then on the flip side, we have access to more life giving things. Right. So we're shifting out of survival mode into thriving. Right. And sometimes we bring those old habits of survival mode, like do as I say, not as I do. Like, don't worry about what people think about you. What is it? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words never hurt me. Mm -hmm. We all know that mental health is real. Words hurt much more than stones and whips and things like that. So since we know that now, I think as parents and professionals that work with kids practice humanity and learn how to tap into empathy, I think we can see a different type of pivot, right? I'm often concerned about how we teach teachers Mm. to interact with kids. That's why I really wanted to go and get my PhD in education because I was like, why don't more teachers understand how to talk to young people? Like, why are you talking to them in a dismissive tone because you're the authority figure? Kids love to test authority because they were kids. My girlfriend hates completely hates when other teachers talk to a child or talk mm-hmm. at a child it it grinds her gears like it and she's been in education for about 10 years plus so it grinds her when her coworker or somebody another teacher is talking at these kids and teenager these kids are in the kindergarten First grade. I'm like, wait, whoa, 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 pause. You can't talk to these kids like that. They're human. And I said, the same way you talking to them, they're going to remember that. And they're going to sit here and say, it's okay for me to do that because my teacher did that. It's it's okay for me to sit here and talk crazy to you like this because my, (laughs) you understand what I'm saying? So she tries different methods. She doesn't sit here and you know, now if they acting up, you know, she gonna, you know, she gonna get it right. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, yeah. there's to your point, it's like we have to do different methods. We have to try different methods. And as black folks, black men, black women, black parents, it is okay. Let me say this: it is okay for us to try different things and not the traditional. Because as we have seen in a lot of our communities, the traditional way of doing things has kind of put a trauma on us. Am I let's wrong? Let's talk about tradition, though. Well, let's talk about it. Tradition, like I said, that's survival mode. Absolutely. So that's almost like this uh, sense of obligation mm-hmm. to bring yesterday into my present and for it to dictate my future. Right. Even though we know where we came from, 
that doesn't necessarily mean that you are limited to what you're doing now. Absolutely. Like, why penalize your child because they don't have to get a switch off the off the tree? Jesus, I hated those switches too. Tell you. <laughs> why would they have to pay the penalty because they ain't doing that? No exactly. <laughs> or let's talk about this on the flip side. Some yes. of these young people are functioning adults because Can we talk about it. Because the cares of life have dictated them to learn how to move as adults, yes. move as professionals in different things. Like I had a little preschooler. This was years ago, y'all, mm-hmm. like back in 2012, 2013. Mm-hmm. I had a preschooler that had learned how to steal and make sure that nobody saw him. Because life, the life that he was living then had dictated wow. that he needs to learn that skill set. Right. So sometimes when we sit in a seat, I feel it. I feel it. Thank you. Come on. When we sit in a seat of uh, higher looks or authority, or we think we have privilege over somebody like teacher to student, we think that's a positionality of authority Mm -hmm. or men to women or women to men, depending on which vantage point or not gender conforming to uh, heterosexual individuals. Right. Like sometimes we always try to make one better than the other. You miss out and your judgment often comes amiss. Because like the Bible say, you miss the speck in your own eye. I'm just saying. Hello, y'all heard I'm just saying. Okay, because why are these kids bad? And why are they not listening if you aren't listening to their needs? That part. If you're the elder and you're the authority, how are you not modeling what they need to know? But they're supposed to trust you and listen to you and you talking to them like an adult off the street and you cussing right, at them. Right. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but, oh. No, but no, you're right. Like, we cannot. And you know what? I'm not going to lie. Back in the day, it, it, it wasn't as much of a thing as it was now where you can't talk to children like that, right? Um, I was talked to like that when I was growing up. As an adult, right, at, at like 9, 10 years old, 11 years old, right? Because they see you and they're like, oh, you're growing up. You can you can hear all of this. And it's like, no, I, I kind of don't, right? But it, it, it it's a thing where, again, to Tiaja's point, you don't have to bring the past into the present or the future. You understand what I'm saying? And so that is going really into our fourth question. Um, how can How can black women... And maybe this can be a a, a, a a community thing as well. But particularly, how can black women individually and as a collective um, help the next generation of black women um, coming up in this generation? Because it's a lot, right? Um, even and, and going back to what I said in the beginning of the podcast, um, when I asked the second question, um, as, as a community, we are thriving. Right. We're as you as you pointed out, we're getting out of survival mode and thriving. However, um, there are moments where we tap back into survival mode because it's such a comfortable space to be in. Right. It's such a comfortable space to be in. We don't want to leave survival mode because and to some people's points. People are people are surviving. Right. Like it's it's a it's a thing where. Damn if you do, damn if you don't. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. I live, I just might die. If I s- 
stay in a survival mode, I just might die. How can black women make it better for the, the, the little girls that are looking up to you guys? This is such a good question. And I'll start with the community mm-hmm. first mm-hmm. because I think this is more of a community issue yes. than anything else. Yes. Our community needs to recognize, and I say this respectfully, y'all. Respectfully. Because I'm about to step on your neck. Uh-oh. That Black women have always been taking care of the girls, the boys, yep. our dads, yep. our aunts, yep. feeding. I can't disagree. I was raised by a black woman who literally is taking care of my grandma right now and took care of my aunt up until the day she passed. So I, there is no disagreement in, in anything that you're saying right now. I need our community to see us, not just mm. as the caregiver either, mm. but we are producers. Yes. We are intellectual. We are the very, Maya Angelou like so many different poets describe what black women are, but I need our community to tap in and recognize that and not to continuously put us in a box as if we haven't shown up Mm -hmm. as if we're not trying to show up or as if we're not a good or suitable help meet. We there's a, the, even the shaping of this question, right. Mm -hmm. Almost could offer that. Black women haven't been reaching down or reaching around the community. And right, right, exactly. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not necessarily pointing it at you, but this is just an in general um, kind of conversation piece that I've seen and heard people bring up. Like, how can we um, allow Black women to lift up the community or do more, right? Oh, no, 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 no. Because <laughs> I, I, the, the, no. I've heard in, um, what's, that, what's that app? Clubhouse. Oh, God. Love Clubhouse because Clubhouse, you know, gives me some rooms that I love to get in. But I understand wholeheartedly. It's these odd questions. Yes. That our community doesn't realize that they're organically dismissive of black women contribution. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I need my community to take a step back and give black women their roses as you are today. Yes. And to really realize the contributions that black women make across the board. Absolutely. Right. Um, to the black women, I say, keep that energy, honey, because regardless if they see us, if they respect us, if they highlight us, if they give us the flowers, honey, we know how to grow them. Mm. We know how to to put them in our hair. Mm -hmm. We know how to dress them on ourselves. Mm -hmm. Like we have us. And if we don't have us, we know how to create community, right? We know how to birth and carry things. We know how to carry weights and we know how to let go. Black women are good at holding grudges, but we're also good at giving love and forgiving. Oh my gosh. Short rant. The biggest atrocity is America's dismissiveness of the black woman to this country. Facts. And despite that, black women love their abuser. We show up and we love this country. We pay taxes. Right now, black women is saturated in the entrepreneurship market, right? The whole crux of capitalism, right? 
So even though you don't see me, even though you may not publish my work, you may not want to grant me degrees or whatever have you, all these barriers to Mm -hmm. success. Black women consistently are creating community and spaces for all people to to be successful. And that goes back generations. And man, and see the, 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 the framing of this particular question is, and, and I want black women to understand this. The framing of this particular question is not to sit here and say, how can black women do better? No, not at all. It is understanding that black women have continued to be literal, literal, as you said, producers and leaders. You understand what I'm saying? Being for me personally, and I wanted to do this series because being raised by black women, let's let's put it now. No no disrespect to my uncles and everything. Love y'all, right? But if I'm honest with me, black women have raised me. You understand what I'm saying? They have raised me. They have been mentors such as yourself to me. You understand what I'm saying? Not to say my black men haven't. Y'all can go check out past episodes, but this ain't about us right now. You understand what I'm saying? They have literally been mentors to me. I've, I can sit here and say wholeheartedly that I've had more black women pour into me than I've had black men. That's not, that's, that's no knock, mm-hmm. but that is an, that is important to me because I always had a feeling that I said, no matter what I can sit here and learn a little bit more from a black woman. Because she can tap into that emotional and she can she can tap into that spiritual a little bit more than a black man. And that's just facts. Mm-hmm. That's just pure facts. And I'm going to go here. Black. There was a there was a class at Grand Valley and I forgot the black woman teacher's name. She had a she she was a part of the Red Hat Association and all that good stuff. It was a black woman's culture class that I took. And it was probably my sophomore year in college. Best class I ever took. Because for me, I wanted to understand the mind of a black woman. Because I felt like, yo, these are probably the most intellectual beings, humans that we have on earth. And I'm like, I need to kind of understand where all this intellect comes from. Like, for real, I'm in there like, and let's just say I got a B plus in that class. Shout out to, you know what I'm saying? Shout out to that. You know what I'm saying? Because I want to know and get to the framework because I'm a docu-buff. And all the docu-series that that I've seen about, you know, when we talk about black American history, black women have not only been in the forefront, but in the back. And the fact that, for me, I don't hear too many about them and always about the men. I'm like, I love you, black man. Love you. Love you, OG. But you wouldn't have no signs if it wasn't for that black woman sitting there getting that glue, that poster board going to the 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 60s version of Ikea and all of that. You understand what I'm saying? right like going to the 50s and 60s version of walmart and like you wouldn't have that you wouldn't have the movements Mm -hmm. that we even see today and so for me i i don't want this question to be framed as what 
can you do better? But it's like, no, we see you. Well, particularly me, I see it. But I also see that there are black women, black little girls. And I say this to my men when I talk, when I ask them the same question, because I ask them the same question. I'm like, how can we as black men, both individually and collectively, help our little black boys? Because now we are the aunties, the mm-hmm. uncles, mm-hmm. the godfathers, the godmothers. Mm-hmm. Hell, we're becoming parents. Yes. We're not young anymore. We're not the 21, 22s, right? We're, yeah, we're, we're getting into our 30s. We're becoming parents. We're getting into our careers for real. You understand what I'm saying? We're living life for real. We're thriving. We're not surviving anymore. And so with that comes a lot of change. And so what all that we've been talking about, the traditional and everything, it's like what can we do better for the next generation that's coming up after us because they're looking at us yeah they can call us old all they want to Mm. they can call us all listen what i learned is you can call me old all you want to but i know you're watching me just like i was watching mine i really i really like when i say keep the energy like that wasn't me being facetious yes we are authors now we are working in political office yes. now. Yes. Judges. Really- Thank you. I was just about to say <laughs> We're that. judges I now. Come on and get in my mind. <laughs> we are judges. Yeah. We create coloring books. We create podcasts. Yes. We have open dialogues. We listen. My point is the energy that we have right now, yes, while we don't know everything, the spaces that we're curating it's what they need to see. Absolutely. The diversity of opportunity, right? Like even going back to the kids that's, and I hope some young person does tune into this so they can really Absolutely. tap in and, and pull something. For the young people that's struggling with um, the likes or the engagement, it was a woman, life insurance client, y'all, in her late 60s, that is a woman preacher. So and we didn't even get a chance to unpack uh, our societal standards and our double standards for men versus women in certain spaces. Like when you were talking about uh, (laughs) what women do and how we supported movements and stuff like that. I thought about Django when they were fussing about the Klan hat. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Women might not be perfect, but women been supporting men for a long time. Yo, a long time. (laughs) But this woman, y'all. In her late 60s, I would argue she might have even been 72. Wow. But she's a preacher and a prophetic preacher. Mm -hmm. And she's not one of those type of prophetic preachers that prophesies all the time. And she was sharing her discomfort about not prophesying all the time because she, too, has been in Clubhouse. And she, too, sees all these other prominent preachers getting more streams, more views. And she said that she stopped ministering for a little while because it just didn't seem like Facebook was a platform for her. Wow. That is nuts to me. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Do we have some connection? What's going on? Oh, there we go. She's back. You know what I'm saying? Right. You are not alone. This is not an isolated experience. Even I struggle with that too. Right. And I think as we all move forward, it's going to be a different conversation for us saying, 
we struggle with this like you. Right. And it's not going to be an age gap. So to the little black girls and to the little black boys that we are curating spaces for, I think the energy that we have now, knowing what we know, like, I'm telling you, we are our grandparents' prayers. Yes. We have the patience. We have the fortitude to reach back and provide more resources for them to overcome. That's all we shall overcome. That's still real. Yes. Because there's new things for us to overcome each generation. So right now it's social media. Back then it was trying to get, learn how to read. Amen. And let's keep it all the way a trill. If we go to the right school district, that's still an issue. Mm. Like you said that earlier. Mm -hmm. So I, I really feel like to your point, the energy that we are bringing to the marketplace, the solution is us uplifting one another. Right. And not this either or, but both and. Right. You know what I'm saying? Black women uplifting black men, black men uplifting black women. Yes. The only reason people don't know that black women sit in positions of leadership and authority and have been doing the work is because either someone tried to silence us or they said us talking at a normal tone was too loud because they didn't have any intention on hearing us in the first Mm, place. Now that's a bar. We're going to drop a bomb for that. (laughs) You feel what I'm saying? Because listen, that's a bar. And that's true. Oh, black women are too loud. They just got two attitudes and everything like that. It's like, listen, I was <laughs> I was raised by a black woman with all of that. And she raised a amazing and educated black king. You feel what I'm saying? And it would bother me when I would hear that in a way because I'm like, I'm my mother. I got the same attitude. I got the same aggression. You feel me? I have all of that. But I also am my dad. I'm very calm. I'm very chill at some points. And and, and, and I don't know how to relax. And so it's like you realize, and, and this, is, this is for black men particularly, you realize that you are more like your mother than your father when you continue to grow up. Like when you continue, like it, it hit me. Maybe at like 25, like me and my mom had a real conversation, maybe 26. And I was like, you know, we are very much similar, right? Like we pop off. We we can sit here and get aggressive with our words a little bit. And I'm like, me and my mom have gotten to, to in some bits where it's like I had to pull back and say, whoa, I'm you in flesh. I am you in flesh. And I'm like, that's crazy. You ra-. She was like, I raised you. You me. I'm you. <laughs> and I'm like, that. that is so important to understand. Like, black women have been the producers of life for years, for generations, for centuries. <laughs> right? Can, and, and it's just like, we have to put some respect on that name. So going into the last question, T., when you hear black women win, right? What does that mean to you? I asked this question to my to my brothers that come on the show. What does black men win mean to you? When you hear black women win, what does that signify for you? Ooh, ooh. 
if y'all could flash to the last scene of Dream Girls when Jennifer Hudson turned to Curtis and said, "Cause this time, Effie White's gonna uh, win." win. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That is what I immediately mm-hmm. thought of. Mm-hmm. Like, Effie, let's just use that that um, metaphor for Effie right. to answer the question. Big voice, so much raw talent, yes. very much unbridled, right? Mm-hmm. Um, all it needed was some good management, some good structure, and it could have went to un- unknown places. Right. But somebody wanted to squash that voice. Right. Uplift something that was a little more TV friendly mm-hmm. and took advantage of one black woman in the name of lifting up another black woman. Right. But by the end of it, both black women won. Exactly. Both women. Yep. So I think when I think of black women winning, it's the relaxation of peace mm. where we are not threatened by any other gender. It's not a gender verse conversation. Mm-hmm. It's a us and like I was talking about before, like women belong with because we create community. Right. So us winning is us being able to keep our wits about ourselves on our own terms. Right. Being able to communicate how we want to communicate and right. not being gaslighted while we're communicating. Right. Right. Um, and just enjoying life and people enjoying life with us. That's the win. Yeah. Hey, man. Come on now. Like, let, let, let's just give another hand clap for Tiaza. You feel me? I'm, I'm, I, I am so thankful that you have been on the show. I thank you so, 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 so much. You gave us. You gave us a lot to unpack. You feel me? And anybody that is listening to this, I really, really, really. And this is why I wanted her first on the show. For the series, because I knew she was going to bring that heat. You feel me? <laughs> My gosh, she was going to bring that heat. Tiaja, where can people follow you? Where can people get in touch or connect with you? First, can I just thank you for, for um, not giving no. it? Like, mm, don't make me cry on this show now. I'm not going to. I'm trying <laughs> not to. Let me tell you. It is so. So, y'all, let me give you some backstory to the backstory. <laughs> When I was ready to launch my podcast, I went to how he called me his mentor. I went to him as my shoulder brother, right? Like we were in gospel choir together. We hung out in some of the same offices together, but I didn't realize he had gave me this space of elevation in his life. I see him as my equal colleague, right? Like I'm talking to the people now, but to see the magnitude of your fortitude, in all that you are yet becoming. And I see the hope on your face. And honey, hope looks good on you. It does. She's trying to make I- me tear up over here. And I'm trying to hold the tears <laughs> together, Lord Jesus. <laughs> no, but you are. And I'm I'm so grateful. Oh, and I'm so thankful that this podcast exists. I'm grateful that you were able to accommodate me and have me on the show. Like, Absolutely. The black boy joy is doing it for me. Oh, <laughs> don't you don't you dare it, it, it really is like you know life is hard like it is yeah. but to be here i'm i'm grateful and i'm so thankful to be wait wait till okay so this is how y'all follow me because you coming on my show 
because God is good and he's created provision for everything that I'm Amen. doing right now. So, um, y'all can follow my personal page. It's Coach T Asia A um, on Instagram. Now, if you're interested in following my podcast where I do spend a little bit more time talking about Black women experiences, that handle is she.speaks with three S's at the end. So S P E A K S S S because we're a little ratchet, yeah. but we're still scholarly. Yes. All right. <laughs> you can follow it there. And if you are curious about um, what it means to be an insurance agent or if you are considering adding another stream of income or anything like that, you can go and follow me at RT Financial Investments or you can send me an email at tasia at rtfinancialinvestments.com and I'd be happy to talk to you a little bit more about that or even set up an interview if you're like, I know I want this. Um, But y'all get with me, stay with him, stay connected, stay plugged in because these conversations is how we give life. This is how we win. Absolutely. And, and, and that's, that's the whole thing about it. I'm, I'm, I, 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 it's weird because again, this, this podcast started off as a blog to just literally celebrate, you know, my people and, um, particularly give a different vibe and a different notion and a different, I guess you could say affirmation to black men in a sense, because, um, you know, we, we, we have so many negative stereotypes about ourselves. Right. And, um, I wanted to have and create something that is not negative. You know, we can talk about those, but like, what's the, what's the counteractive measures that we can help each other and everything. And, and this series is, 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 is the same. It is learning and understanding more, um, about the black woman. You understand what I'm saying? So I'm thankful for you to be on here. Um, again, Tiasia has been a mentor for me, a spiritual, like, provisioner guide for me. You understand what I'm saying? Again, when she, we were in choir together. You understand what I'm saying? Like, it was, and for me personally, and I'm going to go on a tangent in a little bit, Tiasia was always the one who could really, 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 and I'm going to keep it 100, really balance righteousness and ratchetness. You understand what I'm saying? Like, let me give it, like, let me, for real, right? We ain't got to go deep into it, but I'm saying. It was like, I was like, wait, what? But you, but, but everybody, wait a minute. Now, how is she doing this shit? And I'm like, oh, no, God. You got, oh, no, God, I want this. Because it, it is something to understand. It is something to really be how can I say really be um, just admired to and admired by because you're so dope. And I want to thank you for coming on the show. Um, Thank you for giving us your words of wisdom. You feel me? Because you are wise, honestly, behind your years. And I don't think you understand that. So we love you. We thank you. You feel what I'm saying? I thank everybody for watching and everybody for listening. Please subscribe to the Black Men Win podcast wherever you listen to podcasts from. We forgot to do the little bit because I was so excited for this interview. Uh, But please subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts uh, via audio. And you can watch this via um, on YouTube. So subscribe to our uh, YouTube channel as well. We'll have all the links um, 
in our description box and where you can uh, follow Tiasia um, and uh, get her services. You feel what I'm saying? So, um, and please cop some merch. You feel what I'm saying? We got some Black Men Win merch out here. I'm trying to decide if I maybe want to drop some exclusive like Black Women Win merch. You feel what I'm saying? So that's in the works too. So look out for that coming Friday. You feel what I'm saying? So look, yes, 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 yes. I was like, we we got to do a little exclusive all all March merch for Women's History Month, specifically for my Black women. So it, it has to be done. So I'm gonna get that together for you guys on Friday, and we'll drop that on Friday. All right. I love you guys we'll be back with a ne- uh, another interview next week this has been another one and we out peace love and hair grease